welcome back in Wyoming Knuckleheads. This is another episode of Go BYO. I'm your host Aaron and today I got Zach. It's still spring break. Yep. Zach, we've got two special guests in today. We've got Donnie and Ryan King. Um, they're here in the studio. So Donnie and Ryan, thanks for coming by. Thanks no for problem. having us. Um, so little backstory we uh before zach and i had good equipment and uh, had an audio guy and a studio yeah in a studio we uh we were in the shop and we recorded an episode um that's you know in the lost files or whatever and, uh, i screwed up and the audio was gone <laughs> so it's cyberspace or something yeah so uh but uh it's uh thank you guys for coming back and and uh, we're happy to highlight uh Kings and Kings Rope and then the museum as well and, and just to share your guys' story. So, um, you know, first and foremost, I think let's just talk about the shop and ropes and, and saddles and kind of how that got started in the King family and um, we'll kind of go through the history and then Zach and I will just pipe in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, the, the, the shop got started basically. Uh, my grandfather uh, was in the coast guard and uh stationed down in florida when he was when they were done with that um uh after that my grandma and him had married and whatnot they eloped uh, they eloped <laughs> right um he was on a leave uh from the coast guard they got married that day i believe and three days uh, two or three days before he was sent off to the pacific that's right gotcha and but once they got back once he was out of there um uh mid mid 40s they moved back here um grandpa had a he just rode horses broke colts stuff like that did uh, leather work uh, at home um for the most part and then uh i think he was it mid 50s or something like that he started working for ernst and um a few of the other local saddles rudy mudra were, yeah rudy mudra um Briefly at Bighorn Saddlery, they started that till that burnt down in, I think, 57 or somewhere around there. Um, but, yeah, basically he, uh, late 50s, he started doing the uh, the RCA, the Radio Cowboys Association, which is now the PRCA. Gotcha. Um, started doing all the trophy saddles for the NFR, basically. Um, and he did that for about... Four to six years. I can't remember what it exactly what it was. We got pictures at the store of all the years that he did it. Yep. Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, so in '61, he kind of had the notoriety of a lot of folks, or you know, people noticed what he was doing and told him he needed to start his own shop. So it's what he did. So (laughs) that's awesome. '61. So yeah, he on Main Street. They he just. Put a little little place in the back of Ritz Sporting Goods and grew from there. And then 71 is where we are in our present location at 184 North Main. Right. So grandma and grandpa bought that building and built the, the rope shop. built the rope shop. I mean, it, there's a, at the time, you know, Cowboys basically went to a hardware store and bought their rope and stretched it or did it themselves. And grandpa just had an idea that he he would do a finished product where cowboys could just walk in buy it off the rack right so we put the rope store in a leather department down in the basement which used to be a used to be a bowling alley down there in that in that store on main street and then the the main floor was an old bar and then up above was a one of the finest cat houses in the west 
at the time <laughs> that operated up until the 50s. And when Grandma and Grandpa bought it, Grandpa was walking around upstairs in the old cat house, and he things were a little uh, looked normal to him because our <laughs> great grandfather Arch, uh, when he'd come into town, he would have the ladies watch Grandpa as a little kid while Grandpa Arch did whatever he did. <laughs> so, but. It just seemed a little familiar up there for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So it took him about, you know, 10 years of, of doing it kind of as a side thing and then got the notoriety and um, and then another kind of 10 years to uh, decide to open up a shop then there. Is that kind of about right? So yeah. 20 years. Yeah, there. you know, yeah. he grew up, you know, his whole life traveling around and everywhere he'd go, the first stop he'd make was a saddle shop or something of the sorts and uh, sit there and watch the guy's tool and dink around with it in a bunkhouse late at night and i don't think he slept very much you know so yeah he, he made extra money a, a tuler at one of the big salaries in arizona took a liking to him as a kid and gave him some scrap leather and some nails and basically said you know here's how you do it mm-hmm. and he would make belts and wallets for the cowboys because grandpa arch and him they traveled between Arizona, California, Wyoming, Texas, just driving cattle. And then at 13 years old, Grandpa Arch, he, Grandpa did have an eighth grade education. And Grandpa Arch gave him a horse and said, you're on your own now. So it's, uh, you had to learn. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't much choice in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sink or swim situation. Mm-hmm. There, so. Yep. I mean, we, Grandpa Arch came I think I was in junior high, maybe, but we had a barbecue at our uncle's, Uncle Bob's house, and we're driving home, and I said to mom and dad, I was like, oh, that's that's neat. We finally got to meet our great-grandpa, and dad's like, that's the first time I've ever met him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because... I'd, I'll never forget my dad saying, don't you boys ever forget this, because, <laughs> uh, and I haven't forgotten it, you know, I was maybe four or five yeah. at the time, and um, yeah, I remember meeting him, and... My dad said, don't ever forget it, because this is kind of a historical event happening right here. (laughs) They got in an argument, because Grandpa Arch asked Grandpa to build him a saddle, and Grandpa basically told him to F off. Gotcha. It's (laughs) kind of the cliff notes of the story we've heard. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I'll never forget that day, meeting him, so. (laughs) Yeah. Family stories is always funny to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Not every family is uh, all butterfly kisses and right. whatever sunshine <laughs> stories. So. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so 71, they opened the shop. Six, and then 61. 61. Sorry, 61. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then moved into the, the current, current, current store in, in so. 71. Yeah. And then in 77, that's uh, across the alley. That's where the we opened up the big rope store gotcha and put the leathery back leather shop there and then we down in like the basement grandpa put put a he made a roping machine that's on basically on metal rails that twists the nylon because we make about 20 percent of our own product and then we got the wax bin and the hot room down there too so it's during the winter time we stretch our rope we'll cut it to cut them the length down there in the basement stick them in the hot room, which will keep it like 130 to 140 and put on come alongs down there and switch it out every couple of days. So basically what you're doing, 
is getting all the kinks and making the, the rope lie straight. Mm-hmm. So like in the summertime, we, we can put anywhere between three to 400 coils uh, 600 feet long out in the rope field. It's out east of town. And we'll let them bake in the sun for about two to three weeks, depending on the weather. Cut them the length, coil them, bring them back in, and then put the knots, hondu, and the burners, tie the burners in. So everything's, then it goes up on the rack for sale. And is that the original way that got got it started? Yep, pretty much. Yes. Yeah, there's uh, yeah that field out uh, where my grandfather's the homestead is. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've been stretching there for since since the since, beginning. Yep. So that's awesome. Yeah. And what? And let's go back to you know you know cowboys would make their own, right? And then so he had the idea of oh let's just have a shop where they can just come and buy it. Correct. You know, talk a little bit. Uh, have you guys heard how that went down and how he kind of had to you maybe know, change that or was it kind of a quick change? I think it was just a quick deal as far as I know. Um, I think he just started making the things and then people started using them and liking them. So, um, and he was, you know, he was also one of the first guys to, he was the first guy to ever make a left-handed rope That's also. Right. So, you know, for the guys that would rope left-handed, most guys will don't do that anymore. Um, but there are still quite a few out there. I mean, we everywhere we go, I sell left-handed ropes. So, I mean, there's ranchers out there that still got to work their cows so yep. they're left-handed. Yep. Right. Um, and not everybody can learn how to rope right-handed when you're left-handed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so from there, it just kind of grew into, you know, here's these products now we got these ones now this stuff you know so Mm -hmm. it just kind of grew on there you know you get different products uh or different kind of rope that reacts differently you know so i think he was willing to try just about anything and see if it worked and if it did it we sold it so was he pretty like pretty action oriented like he had the idea of no one makes a left-handed rope and then he just went and made it or he was he he was pretty inventive you know he would if someone told him he couldn't do something he'd figure out a way to to prove him wrong so he was that type of person that i think somebody told him he couldn't stitch a saddle horn at like 20 stitches per inch or something like that so he took a a cog wheel out of a watch and made a little stitching deal or a little prick iron to to see where to run the stitches and Ran a proved somebody wrong, you know, yeah. just to <laughs> yeah, just to just to do it. Yep. So, yep. Um, but you know, that's the type of guy he was. He even made a pant stretcher, you know, that I thought was pretty creative. It's kind of like the cowboy hat stretchers, but you know, you're getting a little thick around the middle. He had these heels <laughs> that would stretch his pants out for him and stuff. And that man, he was a little bef- before his time, I guess. He's yeah. crusty though. He's a crusty. Yeah, but he'd take the shirt off his back for you. Yeah, I mean he was, you know, it. You knew uh, if he liked you or if he didn't yeah. like. You. <laughs> I'd have to call him on Monday and remind him at a football game on Friday night, and grandmother would make sure she dragged him down there. You know, he it, he didn't want to be there, but yeah, he would he would he would if grandmother said he was going somewhere, he he'd jump up out of his chair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank God for her. <laughs> and that's, you know, it's like Eaton Ranch that's uh, out on in Wolf Creek mm-hmm. here in town. It's the first established guest ranch in the U.S. And, and Eaton's 
notoriety, especially for this area, is there's a lot of uh, cowboys that, uh, you know, the the East Coast girls that were getting in trouble, they would get in trouble at their country clubs and stuff. Their their fathers would send them out here to work, and then they'd fall in love with the cowboy. So it's kind of like with the, with grandma and grandpa. Grandmother grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, but they would come to Eaton's for the summer or for a couple weeks every summer. And grandpa was a wrangler there. She was a dudette and, and, uh, they hit it off and grandmother was down at university of Arizona going to college. Well, right before grandpa got shipped off. So that's when that's the story that grandmother used to tell me. She's like, and back then we sent telegrams and we eloped and we sent a telegram to my parents in Fargo and my mother called and congratulated us. So it was, <laughs> I think, it, I think his pickup line was, uh, I feel sorry for your horse. You know, that was, that was what he always said is feel sorry for your horse. <laughs> Gosh. They just don't make them like that anymore. No. You know? <laughs> but like with with our with the town here of Sheridan, there's a lot of money that came into this area because of that from the those East Coast people. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people e- fell in love with the area, you know, and yeah. move out here. So. Yeah, yeah. Zach and I are in the middle of Sam Morton's book, and that's oh. um, yeah. So yeah, which we're, which book? Uh, where the rivers run yeah. north. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, Sam, sorry. You know, if you can get through the first six chapters about the little <laughs> love affair with the squad and the little Indian kid. But then, then it, it's because it's historical fiction. Once you get past those first few chapters, yep. it, it really gets interesting. Yeah, you know, Sam Sam did it. He's done a wonderful job on each of his books. Yeah. Even his, even his picture book. So it's, uh, no, I've, I've, I think it's neat that he's been able to put those together. Yeah. Yeah. Even if even in, you know, you call it historical fiction, but it's but there's he it, tells one hell of yeah. a story. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever met him, you, you obviously know he's a <laughs> hell of a storyteller. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, that's absolutely right. You had all this kind of money flowing in because they love the area, um, and then horses and all that stuff too. But uh, that's funny. That yeah. Should. Well, I'm married now, so I can't. Zach, you could use that. Uh, feel sorry for your horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, um, kind of talk about so seventy one. You know, and we're in the original in the original store. You know, then what kind of really happened there? So, I mean, innovation first. I mean, started making ropes, selling ropes, left handed ropes, and then um, then when yeah, did the, the saddles? I mean, well, the, the saddles, saddles and stuff were. I think they were always part of it. And, you know, and we got the local saddle attack. guys here. Also that, so it's, some of them have worked for us and some of them are on their own and then they just bring their saddles in on consignment that we sell in right. the store. Awesome. Yeah. We've had some, some, uh, some good, good saddle makers uh, over the years that have worked for us, uh, and leather workers in general, you know, we've had, you know, Jim Jackson, Billy Gardner, um, Link Weaver, uh, Link's dad. Yeah. Link's dad. Um, He's, yeah, there's, we've had a... Kent Schreiber's. Yeah. But yeah. It, uh, you know, most of these employees that we've had, that we still have, are, a lot of them are 25, 30, 40-year employees, so... Wow. Um, and a couple of them that are head of the rope department were 
right in on the ground floor when they were 14 or whatever working for us and child labor laws right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh been there ever since so you got two of our guys that are 40 plus years that are mm-hmm. you know within they started within a couple months of each other so wow it's pretty crazy to it's great to have employees like that yeah so yeah, absolutely was the consignment always something that he always did with the leather work since um, he kind of, I mean, cause he, he yeah, he did, did a that. little, yeah. he'd have piece work here and there, but, um, you know, at, at a certain stage when it really got rolling, it was all in house. Okay. Um, uh, for the most part, now we do a little more of the piece work and stuff just cause, um, the golden age of leather work, I think is kind of, it's dwindled down. It's not dead or anything. Um, it's just, it's harder to find good quality work anymore. And, and shops that are at it, doing it at a rate that we're doing it at, I guess. And sure. we're not the busiest by any means, but we're not the slowest either. So, yeah, um, you know, it's just something we've always just offered. Yeah. So, and tried to offer good stuff, you know. Yep, quality, quality <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, Grandpa was a collector all of his year, or hoarder in some terms. <laughs> If, if we want to look at it that way. Interchangeable but, terms, yeah. <laughs> but when I was a senior or junior in high school, we bought the building next to our rope shop, which was an old carpet carpet uh, store. And so that that was one of my jobs as a junior in high school is to <clears throat> clear that out and go to the dump all the time. But uh, we put a museum. Grandpa collected so much stuff, and then people around here, there's a lot of stuff on display that they've collected. But we've got... passed down through families. Right. We've got, I mean, I remember every time grandpa would go to an auction, he'd come find me and he'd say, go unload my Jeep. And I'd walk out and there'd be five or six more saddles and there'd be boxes of this and boxes of that. And I was just like, really grandpa? And he's like, don't you question me. Just unload it. God damn it. <laughs> so we've got close to 600 saddles on display in there. Plus a lot of other Western memorabilia, guns, uh, Indian artifacts, and and grandpa, of course grandpa's saddles he's we got a whole slew of those in there but it's it's completely full and mm-hmm. we probably we've got a few hundred more in storage of saddles that he just picked up at auctions probably got 300 more sitting in, sitting up in, in the top of the building there so huh. wow <clears throat> just no place to put them yeah and each of them have a, their own story well and some were in there and they just swapped them out for something right. else that came in that might have been a little better, but right. most everything that Grandpa kept, he there was a reason he kept it. You know, there was, uh, you know, something on some saddle would be a little different, or something he wouldn't sure. wouldn't see so often, or something like that. So, yeah. but there was a lot of those boxes of stuff that there was only one good thing in, and then the rest of it was crap. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> stuff. So you get all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So what year would that have been? That had been so uh, senior when I was a senior in high school. Dad and I were putting the museum together uh, because we got it all 90. finished inside, and then it opened late ninety, early ninety one. Okay, because I was already at Montana State. Gotcha. Going to school. So we're just over twenty years of the museum then. You in thirty? Oh, thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't do math. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thirty years. Okay. Yep. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, and it's. You know, like like Donnie was saying, the community, you know, there's all these people that have brought in stuff that, you know, their families, some of them 
some of their family was at the, you know, the Custer battlefield or sure. whatever. So you get a lot of that Dave, stuff. Dave Bliss's wagon in there. Yeah. Either that and the, the champion funeral home, all they had to do with the hearse in there is, uh, dust it off. That's how well kept it was. Wow. Yeah. Got a sheep wagon in there. Yeah. Yeah. Slay. Slay. <laughs> well, and then the, there's the Alan Ann Stolman workshop up in there, which uh, my grandfather was friends with Alan Ann Stolman, which if nobody knows, they were kind of put Tandy on the on the radar for leather workers for doing stuff at home. So he was uh, very, I don't know, he was, wasn't recognized for what he did was at the time. I mean, the guy was a, like my grandfather, kind of a jack of all trades. He was a silversmith, leather worker, painter, just all around general artist. And um, yeah, I mean, stuff like the stuff that he did, I still reference, you know, a lot of the books and things that he wrote for, for Tandy. So, you know, to have that workshop up there is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And then there's a, a miniature replica of Eaton's Ranch up there also. Okay. Which is, yeah. which is, you know, if you, if you've never been out to Eaton's, it's, it's, cool to just look at a little miniature miniature ranch on up there in a case yeah 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 dad i used to nap up in the hill right up here uh, <laughs> <during the day. laughs> so he was he was famous for that yeah so yeah pointing out all the points in the ranch there yeah. that and while the guests were having lunch or whatever they'd be in the corrals with their bareback riggings practicing for rodeo and then the guests would come out with their horses saddled and you could see their necks had been spurred. <laughs> they'd, <laughs> calm, they'd calm down by the time the guests got back it, yeah. on them. At least that's, <laughs> in theory, that's what dad t tells us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Donnie, you helped with kind of the museum. You got put to work, clean it out. Um, Ryan, were you kind of helping that same time I, too? Well, uh, yeah, I didn't start working there until probably 92, 93. Okay. Um, and... They were still at the time adding saddles, so oh sure. Every day after school, I would come and I'd wash a saddle down or something like that, and then, you know, the next day I'd add oil to it or something like that, and then it'd go in the museum after that. So, wash one day, oil it up, put it yep. back together, wax on, um, wax off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And both Donnie, Barry, and I, both all three of us, we all had to. I mean, we each got a couple hundred saddles in our. That we've probably washed yes. over, the, over the years. So yeah, um, yeah. There's no. I don't miss that kind of stuff. I guess <laughs> that's why you have Nolan, your son. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah. You pass it down. Yeah, right. I just yep. had him making some keychains for the store yesterday. So nice, awesome. He did a pretty good job too. So <laughs> cool. Got the fourth generation already working. Uh, yep. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he wants to, I guess. It's a, yeah. it's a balance, right? You got to, because uh, let's kind of dive into your guys' stories a little, because um, you guys were the, the third generation, and obviously they put you guys to work, but then, um, you know, it was uh, kind of go out, learn, learn kind of your own experiences, and then, um, right. you that's, know, it was, it was, yeah, that's what dad told us to do. He said, go out and do what you want. You yeah, can yeah. always fall back on the store. So it's, he was... Dad was kind of required to go into it. I mean, as the story goes, they didn't have a choice. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, said Grandma and Grandpa at dinner one night with all four, four of their boys. There kind of said, "Hey, 
we've got this idea of what we're going to do. You can be part of it if you want. So, like they said, no, you're going to be part of it to make it work. <laughs> and, and, you know, the, the mistake grandpa, because dad and Uncle Bill went to on the rodeo team down at the University of Wyoming. And, but the thing, grandpa's mistake was he would, he'd wanted dad to cover stirrups. And, but he would pay him in advance, so dad's money was usually spent at the bar by, you know, drinking beer. So <laughs> Sure. But the stirrups weren't covered when, he, <laughs> when grandpa asked for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's, you know, neither yeah. here nor there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. he told us to do whatever we wanted. Donnie, he went, he went to... You went to college. MSU? I went to MSU for a year, and unfortunately I had... A season pass at Bridger and social chairman of my frat. So my GPA went from a 3.9 to a 1.9 in one semester. And then I went to culinary school out in Portland, Oregon, moved to Denver, worked in, the, in a five-star restaurant down there, and then got offered a job in Florida in Palm Beach to where I was a private chef for a family and their estate manager. So it was Eight months in Palm Beach and then four months at their their ranch over in Cody, Wyoming, which is Valley Ranch, which is actually the second guest ranch ever established after Eaton's. And Grandpa actually wrangled out there oh, in wow. the in the thirties. Right. So it's and the what's cool about Valley Ranch is like where the main house is, uh it used to be during the winter it used to be a school for boys from the back east, like not troubled boys, but kind of in trouble. And that yeah. I, think, I think they had, you know, a dozen or two dozen boys actually attended school out there. Wow. During the winter. And there was a polo team because one of the hay fields used to be the old polo field out there. And then uh, I finished up my MBA at University of Miami and then did yachting for 20 just a little over 20 years because I just moved back to Sheridan uh, middle middle of May last year. Okay. When the governor finally opened up the, the borders for people yeah. coming from a hotbed. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you miss cooking at all? I Being still, I, I mean, here in town, I, I do classes at Verdello mm-hmm. just off of Main Street. So actually doing one tonight with, uh, and we got a, beer and sausage fest so it's gonna be with smith alley brewery and uh ligurski sausage oh nice so we'll we'll have like five courses and we're pairing the beer with the sausage so cool i appreciate everybody at smith alley donating the beer and jimmy for uh making the sausage fresh this week (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then how about you ryan so yeah so i graduated high school i did i was not i went to University of South Caffeine here for <laughs> a year and uh, decided that school wasn't my 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 deal and uh, my mom and dad were getting a little pissed off with me around here so no. they called it they called Donnie up and uh, said can you get him a job down there because we're sick of this little shit so <laughs> he uh, he was friends with a yacht captain at the time and and. Uh, had asked him to hire me on green, you know, just not knowing anything. And he said, absolutely. So, um, he called me up out of the blue one day and I offered me a job and it's kind of a little blown away a little bit by the, what they were going to pay me for not knowing anything. And so I told him, I said, well, 
give me about a month because I got to train somebody to kind of take over my spot. And so we found a guy and got him kind of worked up. And then I headed down there and I worked in the yachts for, oh, probably about six years or so. And then I uh, worked for a, I got out of that just because I, you know, whatever, I kind of got sour taste in my mouth, I guess, with a few bad owners, things like that. And then uh, I I had a friend of mine that I'd met through yachting, and I worked for him for about two years. He's got a, a guide business, and we used to do deep-sea fishing and stuff like that. So yeah, did that for about two years, and then I moved back here about 15 years ago. Gotcha. So just been stamping leather and – Cussing in the basement ever since. So, <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> how how would you guys say that um, you, you know was a benefit for you guys to kind of to to take a break? You know, be out. Be, oh well, oh. I mean, both of us have been able to see the world. I mean, like when when you work on a yacht, you, you get to go to places like the cruise ships only go to point A and point B. Right. I mean, we we got to see the like whether it was the Bahamas, Caribbean, Mediterranean, even up in New England, you get to you get to go to the you're going, places and you get to meet the locals and Yeah, you're going places that people pay a hundred thousand a week to you know or more to like our our boat chartered out for about a hundred grand a week. Um, you worked on uh, one that was for it was seven hundred and fifty thousand a week plus food dockage and fuel on top of that. So basically a million a week. Wow, and that, and we were based out of Monaco, which was which was absolutely, I love you know Monaco. I mean, if you've never been to Monaco, it's it's one of the, it's the richest city in the Europe, world, probably, yeah, roughly. It's I mean, but it's but you walk up above the casinos and there's like a line drawn through the through the street because you can see how clean Monaco's kept, and then France, but they have the best Indian restaurants up above the casinos, and you you pay like. 10 to 20 euro and they've got the tandoori ovens and everything and you sit out in the middle of the sidewalk and it's it's just it's a neat experience yeah and then if you have other time off the, i mean the infrastructure in europe's great to where you can just hop on a train and be in you know three different countries in three different days right so it's uh but yeah going you know having that opportunity to kind of go out see what the world's about a little bit meet people uh learn some things about people you know, I think it helps, you know, when you get back here and you're, I, we could be shipping ropes to Switzerland or Germany or somewhere like that. And you kind of know what they're doing over there, but, um, it's just good for dealing with customers. I think to have experienced, uh, that lifestyle, I guess, to where, like say you're meeting people all over the country or all over the world. Um, and people from, you know, I was gonna say different and, backgrounds you've yeah, got. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, your upper echelons down to yep. your everyday your average show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's uh it was great to have dealt with that and you know, there's a few times where you're uh close calls, I guess you could say. Sure. Um where yeah, you kinda you pucker up a little bit and probably shit out a diamond the next day, you know. <laughs> like Saint Tom like Saint the time we we're in Saint Thomas. When I oh Jesus yeah, yeah. yeah. had a had a pistol pulled on me yeah that's that's always fun oh, <laughs> yeah go into that real quick yeah, yeah. no no we don't need to go there. that's for another we day went, we went to a shoe show there where the girls just danced with their shoes on I gotcha and, uh, <laughs> I 
think uh, Donnie said the wrong thing to the owner and and uh, was no uh, the owner was cool with me because he uh, was cause I, he graduated from University of Miami too yeah he was pulled aside and by the bouncer yeah one of the bouncers gotcha gotcha <laughs> needless to say it was a uh, it was not the best establishment we probably could have been in and it was down on the Virgin Islands so it was uh, yeah a little seedy anyways on a couple of those spots but sure uh, yeah. You know, it was life stories, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> experiences. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yep. I was going to ask what, so, cause like we said, you guys have dealt with, you know, and we'll, we'll dive into some of your guys' stories, but the top of the top, you know, I mean, people renting out those yachts and then, you know, kind of oh, yeah, some it's, CD it's, places and floating, floating money pits. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, when I was on that one, that was a million a week. It was the gentleman that came on at the time was a fifth richest Russian He's in the fertilizer industry, but his his bodyguard, his name was Christian, and he was Romanian and spoke eight or nine different languages. And you could tell this guy had killed plenty of people. And then, but the guy's best friend was this ex KGB guy that was about five foot four and built like a brick shit house. And you could tell he probably he and Putin. Uh, you know, did plenty together. Wrestled yeah, sounds of it. Wrestled bears together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to sign an NDA with those guys, with that charter, so I can kind of <laughs> say what I want. Yeah. But most of the charters, yeah, I, I, you sign an, you sign an NDA and, yep. And you, you just laugh at things that you see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People with money. Yeah. Well, and what, what I was getting to was how you guys run the store now, you know, and dealing with people, as you said, Ryan, like, uh, you, you know, I wouldn't say everyone's the same, but in service in, you know, providing a product. Yeah. It was a service industry that mm -hmm. we were in, you know, right. working on yachts. So you're, you're just dealing with a different type of service. So it's still trying to put out the best product you can, mm -hmm. you know, where you're on the yachts, you're trying to show them the best time you can just because... And you can't please everybody. I mean, I had a yeah. charter one time that their 10, 10 or 11-year-old kid, they only ate McDonald's. I mean, we had a five-star chef on board, and every port we went to, that kid stayed in in his room the whole time playing PlayStation. I mean, we were in, you know, cruising some of the neatest places you could didn't want to come out of, it, out of their room and wanted McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Wow. It's just, <laughs> yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and complain when the, when the charter principal is paying 125,000 a week for the, for the yacht. Yeah. So it's, right. yep. Is what it is. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Yeah. Can't please everybody. No, you really can't. It's like, it's like the, with the, the Russian, when his wife came on board, she, she uh, asked, so we're going to get hamburgers and ribs and things like that to eat? And we're like, no. You, can have, you know, I know what your preferences are. And she's like, oh, well, that's what you Americans eat. Because our, our crew was a crew of 15, and there are three Americans on board. And <laughs> it's just like, it's like no, you, you can get whatever. But like four days into it, they were in... We in I think we were in Sardinia. It was a hard holiday going on. And so everything is closed down. Well, they asked for ribs. And it's just <laughs> like, where the f 
how are we going to find ribs on a holiday in Sardinia? So we call our, our, our agent, go to every butcher shop you can. I don't care what part of the animal. I just, and I need a hundred pounds of ribs. And we got two styrofoam containers about four hours later. You had beef, you had pork, you had lamb, you had goat. You had all these different ribs. Put a little dry rub on them, and they, and then we just did a slow roast, and they were happy as pigs in mud. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, do you have any questions for him? Yeah, well, so tell us a little bit about, I mean, we got to talk about the hats. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, how they came about. I think that's what, you see the hats everywhere, wherever, wherever you're going. Sure. But. Tell us about the hats a little bit, how that came to be and kind of what it is now. And I was going to say, I think Ryan's got the, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, you know, the between my dad and uncles, they were, I think it was a John Deere hat. Yeah. Uh, they found, you know, it was a like a foam trucker hat, which oh. is what we still carry. But um, between that hat and then uh, Imperial used to make a, God, they were ugly. It was a pale yellow linen hat. And that was, I think, the first. King rope hat uh, with along with the the uh, trucker hats, but um, you know we would if you bought a couple ropes, we'd just throw one in with the deal, and uh-huh. people started wearing them, and then pe- then we started charging them. You know, a couple I think it was like three bucks or something for a hat back in those yeah, days. So um, early seventies when seventy four, I think when we came out with the first. Could be uh, 74 to 67 or something. Oh, Dad says the late 60s, but I think it was It was in the 70s. Um, (laughs) He doesn't remember. (laughs) Yeah. But since then, it just kind of grew. And then, you know, there was some, uh, you know, like in the movie Vacation, where he drives off the interstate, the guy, he almost runs over when he's stepping out of the front of the stores wearing a king rope hat. Um, So there's a couple movies out there where you – catch a glimpse of it. Um, the Longmire series, uh, obviously they wore, wore a King Rope hat in a few of the episodes there and, and Rob and, and Adams wear them all the time anyways, and post it all over social media. So stuff like that helps. And yeah. Line um, of Africa with Line Brian of Africa. Yeah. That was, we sent a whole case of hats for him cause he kept Two dozen. They kept ruining them, you know, and cause it was raining in whatever scene or whatever, and <laughs> crawling around through mud. And so he had to have the make the hat look right every time. So yeah, he had yeah, a couple dozen of them, and and then um, our our local artist Ian Munzik, mm-hmm. right? He yeah, uh, as of lately, yeah, he's uh, that's his that's his thing. So it's uh, we yeah. we appreciate everything Ian's doing for the brand and for. For the hometown too, yeah, right. But yeah, it just it's it's hard to explain. You can't really explain it. Yeah, to be honest with you, um, it just grew and grew and grew, and I think we just kept coming up or displaying crazy hat styles, and you know those old day, the mid eighties with the the <laughs> Hawaiian nice. hats and the you know the <laughs> Two ones with coyotes and stuff. The and the Fluorescence, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> and then the, back in the mid-'80s with the corduroy, and then this summer, yeah. everybody coming through, are you ever going to get corduroy back? And I was like, well, we had in 85. <laughs> and I f- we finally found the vendor that... Right here. Can, can, can right put now. it back out there. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we've so. got corduroys back in stock. So <laughs> even though it's like, I just shake my head. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, 
The, yeah, amount, the amount of caps we sell compared to ropes is a little, a little crazy. It's, it's uncanny. It's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. But you know, and then we've started dealing with uh, Bighorn Design across the street, and they've uh, got us into some T-shirts and mm-hmm. some apparel, and and you know, st- you know, stuff we've been needing to do for twenty-five years, and just finally got on on the boat to do it. Um, but we couldn't be more happy. They do a lot of our fulfillment on the on most uh, probably half the styles of the hats we do sure um which is awesome so having them do that just pumps it out there even more and and gets us out there yeah you know which is fantastic so yeah well that was gonna be my next question is just how you guys how the store is continuing to kind of evolve or uh you know just keep going with the way that things are going at you now sure you know, not everybody like you said you're probably selling more hats than you are ropes absolutely right. um so how you're just kind of trying to stay stay relevant keep, let people find you too right and you know that's you, you know it's funny you say evolvement or whatever it's you kind of you kind of have to evolve a little bit because in a way, rodeo's dying a little bit. You know, you got PETA out there that's right. against all this cruelty for animal stuff and <laughs> protesting like outside in Vegas. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I remember, uh, God, it was probably the first or second year I was. It was the first year I was back here. We had the high school finals, national high school finals in Springfield, Illinois. Well, that's the headquarters for PETA, and. Mm. Up until the day before the rodeo, we didn't know if we were going to have a rodeo because they were they were uh, not going to allow it to happen because they were using hot shots and oh, twisting tails. So you couldn't twist the calf's tail or <laughs> use a hot shot to get them through the chute, and and that made them happy. So yeah. otherwise, you know, we might have not had a rodeo, and we just you know it's an eighteen nineteen hour drive out there <laughs> and a couple days to set up, so. I was on the edge of my seat there for yeah. a day or so. Yeah. Um, but things like that, you know, you see where some of the rodeos in California have been shut down for, you know, what I exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah. Um, so that that's a big worry in my in the back of my mind. Like, you know, if if a couple of these events get banned, like say calf roping or steer tripping. Steer tripping is only allowed in about four or five states right now anyways. So um, if calf roping ever, you know, goes away or break away, that's a major part of our rope business. Mm -hmm. So that's stuff you got to think about. So that's why I was trying to create some revenue with the more, like we did the T-shirts and stuff like that, you know. Little things like that can help offset the, you know, the balance or, you know, just – yeah. Get us ahead before we're behind. Right. So, so hopefully we'll just keep adding to that and hopefully all the other stuff doesn't get banned or anything like that, right. but it's still a worry. I got to think about mm-hmm. in the years to come. So, yeah, but, absolutely. So, and you know, the pussification of America, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that aren't going to be coming up doing rodeo. So, right. You, it's, kind of sad to see in a way but you know there's right now uh like my kid and several other kids uh we're doing a lot of steer riding and stuff like that bringing them up to uh you know trying to get some cowboys built out of these kids and keep it going and stuff like that but joe smith and josh pierce they both work for us and joe used to be a 
professional bull rider and uh josh too he was a bareback rider but um you know it's good that we're kind of passing along you know some of that knowledge and actually giving these kids an opportunity like we never had when we were kids because i you know yeah just put us on the on the calf or the steer and said put your chest out and hold on you get that one time a year you know at the rodeo or whatever but now we're you know practicing you know once a week or Mm -hmm. you know once every other week and then Mm -hmm. having rodeos you know throughout the winter and stuff like that and then the summer will be you know one or two a week so yeah it's good you know keep them busy yeah and keep them in it so I was, I was just going to say, you know, this is, I'm glad we're kind of making this turn because, you know, granddad, he was a wrangler. And I think that's, you know, that wasn't very long ago, you know, that, you know, and this is why that's kind of the history of why rodeos came about was, you know, that it was, it was working, you know, that's right. uh, it was your best, each ranch had their hands, you know, and who had the best hand, you know, on each ranch. And that was how the rodeos mm-hmm. started, like the old PK rodeos and stuff like that. They'd, uh, they'd have those rodeos out there in the field and just circle up all the cars and all that crap out there. And, um, you know, that was, it was bragging rights at the end of the day of who was the top dude. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, that's, and you're, you're, you know, your steer trip and your calf rope and that's stuff you got to do out on the ranch anyways. So, um, you know, there's still going to be people doing that if they're raising cattle these to this day, you know, they're going to, you're going to have to doctor a cow out in the field. So how do you, how do you do that single-handedly? Well, you rope them and cut, <laughs> cut to the left and trip, trip them and tie them down and yeah. work on your, work on yeah. your steer or whatever. But do you, do you guys see it? This is kind of an odd question, but do you guys see kind of Kings, you know, helping in that regards of like education for people like that don't understand yeah. You know, this is a living, you know, you know, I, I understand that rodeo, it's a sport, but I think, you know, you, you, you have these, you know, shows on TV and stuff. And I, we've got a lot of people moving into this state mm-hmm. from certain places that, <laughs> you know, they, they see the thing, they see the, like, let's say Yellowstone. It's, you know, I, I can take it or leave it but it's but <laughs> there's there's so many it's an uh, interesting concept of a show yeah. yeah um do most dude ranches work like the yellowstone show no <laughs> you know you, what? Don't, you don't you don't have the characters you got characters working for you usually but you know they're pretty they're a little punchier than i think the guys that are on the tv show but i don't know it uh but as far as like educating people, um, you know, we have so many people rolling through there that ask questions and stuff like that. That yeah, we'll tell them why we do this and do that and stuff like that. It's it's definitely uh, I can see us not being a source of education, but definitely answering questions along yeah. the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And saying you know if people have a quit, why do you do this? And well, that's why. So, yeah, but, no, that was great. That's yeah. Yeah. This kind of popped in my head there. Yeah. Um, Zach, you have anything? 
Well, I wanted to see if you guys just tell us what it was like growing up in Sheridan back in the 70s and 80s. And, and then uh, any, any stories of Matt Gale, too. I yeah. think. <laughs> uh, Zach, or just the whole Gale family. Yeah. I mean, I know there's Zach, some as to you, tell. As you know, Matt and I were born two months apart. <laughs> along with, And then Brett Carroll was born in July. And between Elva Pete, Liz John, Mom and Dad, they were all buddy buddies. And I still remember the... When mom went into labor with Ryan, we got, Barry and I got taken to Liz and John's, dropped off at two in the morning, and then <laughs> got our little brother the next day. <laughs> so, it's, uh, no, it's, I, they, a lot has changed, of course, since, you know, I got out of here, and as soon as I graduated high school, I, that's when I went up to Bozeman, and I didn't, I didn't come back till last May, so, uh, definitely a lot has changed, it's grown. Oh, yeah. It's, but what a great place to grow up. I mean, Jesus, we got the mountains right here. I mean, growing up here was awesome. Yeah. I'm, you know, we have these cell phones now. I'm glad we didn't have them back then. Because, yeah. Um, you know, the shit w that would have been recorded, one, <laughs> you know, would have would not fly today. But, um, you know, just having the opportunity to to have John and stuff take us up to camping trips with uh, you know father and son oh, the father and son yeah. trip yeah. yeah that's something we did every august and there's drink our little hamster beers. yeah we got yeah we got the little eight ounce six or eight ounce beers yeah that we got to have on saturday night yeah, yeah. uh but yeah sitting up around with you know pete carroll and and john and god uh, who else was that i mean there'd be there was junior 30 30 or 40 people camping you know yeah yeah this up at adelaide like right that. yeah yeah yep. yeah and uh god what's that one year we dad just bought that truck oh, and it was muddier than hell <laughs> and just hit every tree on the way up the trail i think <laughs> sliding, sliding around with that thing but um you know that you know that's sitting in the back of the truck while it's happening yeah no seat belts yeah <laughs> stuff like <laughs> stuff like that yeah. growing up around here is just i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah mm -hmm. so but, yeah, it sure has changed around here, though. Yeah. So yeah. It's, and I don't know, not all of it's for the better, but I think some of it's pretty darn good. I've, I think this town has not grown too fast to where it's, it looks like Cheyenne or anything like right. that. So right. um, I think we've kept it fairly classy around here for the most part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And it uh, definitely making it a place to, come and move and retire or whatever you want to call this place. Right. So yeah. Live active or retire here. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got it all. So. Well, and that's kind of why we, we started go BYO is, is to keep this kind of way of life, but still get people coming here moving here. I don't think that's a bad thing as you know, no. but trying no. to get them to buy into what, what Wyoming is and what Sheridan is. Um, right. And I, you know, I just hope that we get the right people here with the right mindsets because yep. that don't want to change, change it too drastically. Because there's, there's nothing really that I really want to change. You know, right now, except for all the, the, the new bullshit that's coming in. Some of this, you know, you get the Colorado or California influence of, uh, whatever their <laughs> states are doing to the. To them right now, mm -hmm. but yeah. there's a reason why you moved out of there, right? Yeah, but right. now you're going to try to bring your ways into here, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, 
Yeah. Those are the people I don't want here. <laughs> yeah. The ones that are trying to change it to what those states are. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to, you got to, I don't know, you got to realize where you're at. Right. I guess. Mm -hmm. Or get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Well, God dang. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a mix, right? Because you guys were, you know, Donna, you were gone for 20 years, but it's not like you came here and we're like, I'm g we're going to do this. Right. You know, like, um, nah, it's, you got to have that mix. I'm going to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, this town's growing the way it is anyways. So mm -hmm. it just doesn't have, it doesn't have South Florida nightclubs and stuff like that, <laughs> which, is, which is just probably fine. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. Well, and, and it's, you're not going to try and reinvent the wheel, but then at the same time we talked about, you, you know, there's, there's writing on the wall of, you know, what's going to happen with rodeo with the rope business. And it's like, well, we got to change, you know, it's, yeah. you know, you can't, can't be stuck in, it's always been this way. And then you can't always be stuck in, I'm going right. to, we're going to change it up. And you know, we, it's not like we're going to change so drastically that right. you don't recognize us. It's just got to be little, little touches here and there mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. of, uh, we used to do it like this, but maybe we need to do it like that now or yeah. things like that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Donnie and I are both kind of trying to take over things a little bit and it's the way mom and dad have been doing business is maybe not the way we're going to do it all the way. I mean, certainly my dad's kept this place running for a good port, you know, so he started what running it in the early eighties when he actually officially took over uh, for my grandfather. Mm. And, you know, he's done a pretty damn good job uh, keeping it, keeping the doors open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, all we can do is keep that up and hopefully build on that. But, you know, I don't want to try and grow so much that we're unrecognizable anymore either. Right, right. So we'll never branch out and have another – another store anywhere or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been approached by that to start doing like chain type stuff, but that's yeah. not, that's not what we're about at all. Right. I mean, would I like to have a little satellite shop in Wickenburg, Arizona during the winter <laughs> that's open? <laughs> Hell yeah. Cause there's, that's a team roping Mecca right now is, you know, down in Wickenburg in that area. So, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. I'd love to have a little satellite shop or have a trailer set up, permanently down there but you know i don't want to have to deal with the the uh business side of that i mean as far as you know do we ship them you know what do you guys need or having an employee down there that you yep. know whatever or it's going to be one of us you know that goes down there so right. i'm not really the arizona i like i like arizona don't get me wrong but i'm not going to live down there yeah <laughs> <laughs> what about the museum has that ever been, uh, you guys, you know, what'd you say, a couple hundred in storage that we've, are out? We've been, we've tried to expand. Uh, it's, it's, it was a little, it's when grandma and grandpa were still alive and there was just a sure. situation with city government that it was, grandmother didn't like the ramifications that the city was saying she, she had to do sure. monetarily wise. So then... It's. I think it's fine the way it is. Yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know where you could go with it right now. To be right. honest with you, all you can do is go up pretty much. Otherwise, you if you go out, you take away a bunch of parking in the back there that is kind of needed for the you know the coffee shops and right. the brewery and all that there. And 
So you don't really want to take away from that either. Yeah. Um, well, and it's a cool, I think it's so cool the way it is yeah. right now. I mean, it's my aunt Jean was the curator of that museum since the inception of it. And she, it was her style is the reason it's the way it is. Um, you know, and her style was funky <laughs> and to be, you know, to, to kind of put yeah. it out there, but that's just the way she was. And she was, she was a character and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want that museum any other way. You right. know, it's, you can go to that Buffalo Bill museum over in Cody it's, and it's gorgeous, but it's sterile. You know, it's very, you know, everything's lined up, perfect, whatever. I just love all the, yeah. You see something new every time you're you're in that museum because there's always stuff hidden in a <laughs> yeah. corner somewhere or something like that where it's the other ones, you know, oh, I've seen that gun, yeah. you know, whatever. Yep. <laughs> well, and you guys mentioned, too, you have so many in storage that it's kind of fun to maybe switch them out. Yeah, so you, it's, can, you know, might go f- dig through there and find one you might have forgotten about. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's got the family touch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. No, I was just curious because it's you know we uh, didn't know you guys had that many that weren't out on display. So that's kind of right for anybody that comes through. You know, it's this might yeah. be a new one that you hadn't seen before. Or, exactly. Um, exactly. So that's awesome. Yeah. So and then you know I don't know so much anymore. It's it's kind of out of our hands with the museum what goes on there now, but. Um, you know, I don't know if they're going to keep rotating stuff in and out, but I think they still move stuff around a little bit here and there. So sure, cool. But we're still always adding little things here and oh, there. Oh, sure. So just depends on what it is. <laughs> nice, but. Zach. Do you have? I don't have any more questions. I was going to say I'll let them have because uh, our last one we did kind of like tell us a funny story or uh, something. Uh, that's interesting to the, the King brand or something like that. Or, um, I can't remember how I phrased it the last time it was like, um, like for Ryan, I think it was like first, first saddle, like you maybe made or first, uh, first kind of leather project that you kind of remember. That's funny. Or I still um, haven't made a saddle yet. Okay. I'm, I've got a tree. I've, <clears throat> I'm going to start probably working on it here pretty quick. So the first project I ever worked on, uh, well, Let's go back to when I was about 14. And I, you know, the, the funny thing about family business <laughs> is that uh, when you screw up, you nobody holds back. Right. You know, <laughs> I think I said on another deal where, you know, you, you might screw up at work and you get yelled at for something you did three weeks ago at home that, you know, that gets added into what you just screwed up at the shop. So I... I had uh, just put a bunch of head stalls together backwards, and goddamn, my dad was pissed. He grabbed them all, threw them down on the bench. Goddamn it, you clock out and do it, do it over again. <laughs> so I don't think anybody's since has had to clock out and redo something oh. since. But, <laughs> but that's been thrown out there, and you know stuff like that's kind of yeah. funny, but. Well, I, you know, when I was working for dad on the leather side, I was told we had, I'd, we made horn wraps at the time for steer rope or for the steers. And I had to get three dozen out by a certain time on UPS. And of course, that's one of the days that grandfather came down in the afternoon 
And I was back on the sewing machine just going gangbusters because I had to get them put together into the shipping department. And he came back there and lit into me that I was running the sewing machine too quickly. And back in his day, they stitched them all by hand. And I, <laughs> I just looked at him and said, I've got three to four dozen I got to get out. And I said, you're talking like maybe two or three that you hand stitched, you know, back in your day. And he, and he just grumbled and walked off. So it was, that's basically how grandpa was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He put in his piece, but I think if you pointed out to him that you got a deadline, he probably understood that a little bit because <laughs> he was always under the deadline. So. <laughs> there was uh when he was doing those champion saddles, I, he was still dying him in the hotel room, you know, doing the two toning on the floral work uh, before the, you know, during the finals. Yeah. So it's not like he came out with a finished product or anything. He was still assembling stuff in his hotel room at right. night. So and my grandmother, I think, did a lot of the two toning on that stuff too. So um, it's kind of funny. But yeah. What, what about yachting? Any funny stories or something you guys want to share there? <laughs> <laughs> That's appropriate, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I was going to say appropriate. I don't know. Um, it's still about the, the chef that used to, used to, uh, oh, so. Corn speckled blumfish. Yeah. <laughs> the, used to know the chef that used to, uh, night before a charter come on board, he would eat a bunch of corn. And uh, he'd go up on the bow of the boat while dinner service was going on, you know, and he'd take a dump off of the bow of the boat and, you know, the current runs, pushes it down and he'd go back, talk to the guests and he'd look overboard and say, Oh my God, look at that corn speckled lump fish and get guests to take a look overboard. And, oh, you know, some of them would take pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but stuff like that, you know, you got to keep it interesting in that industry. So yeah. you got to meet characters like that from all over the world. <laughs> just blows your mind on some of the stuff people do. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh man, got to give them an experience. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh gosh, that's funny. Yeah. Well, I, I I think that was that's pretty good, Zach. I don't yeah. have anything else that since we have them in here. Yeah. Um, yeah, we appreciate you guys coming back. You bet. Uh, yeah, hey, anytime. We'll and you guys are more than welcome to come back again. Right. Maybe later in the later in the day when we've got some other yeah beverages. Beverages, Let's yeah. Get some yeah. beer in here next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yeah. some burps in the microphone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, thanks, uh, Donnie and Ryan King, for coming on. And um, I think Zach, you guys, you guys, uh take a little tour with them maybe too. So that'll be a little fun, but uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming back on again. And um, you know, Thanks. everyone listening uh, remember go BYO, go be Wyoming and um, we'll have you guys back on again. So thanks. All right. Absolutely. Thank, thank, you. thank you guys.